ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to these go to eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Zach Bartles joining me. Zach, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, I just found the best playlist ever on Pandora. Really? I'm and I've, intrigued. I, all my all my jams that make me so happy are always nineties. And previously, I had been just very pleased with my Two Princes playlist. Do you remember that song? Yes. <laughs> Which is not that great of a song, but somehow that I, I realized that all my favorite playlists had that song in common. So I I started with that one, and it was just marvelous. But then, as is wont to happen, it slowly got away from me, and eventually, it was like I I turned it on, and it was just that like fat Hawaiian guy playing. Um, what a wonderful world! Over and over again, <laughs> As, which is, that happens to every single playlist, and, and which I, I love that song. It's just that's not all of my my you know it's not any of the the uh, playlists ethos. Right. So I started with Gin Blossoms this time. It's nice. marvelous, man. Nice. My mood has never been better. I, I turned that thing on. I I was listening to some uh, uh, two Red Hot Chili Pepper songs I never would have remembered actually existed. And I felt like I had been drinking, uh, just just mainlining coffee, and then won a trophy. That is fantastic. Isn't isn't Pandora great for stuff like that? It takes you down oh. places you never know, you never knew you missed. Pay the five bucks for the the monthly. Th- this isn't this isn't like a sponsor. This is just a <laughs> is a life hack. Everything's a life hack now, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> I, I found that I got so angry at the commercials that the four ninety nine for our whole household to have Pandora was worth it. We don't have cable or anything, so I feel okay paying for that. Right, right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man. Well, we got we got to throw a shout out to Mission Aware, and and I'm conflicted about this because they <laughs> <laughs> won you to the dark side. Man. <laughs> I know this was uh, this was something you actually you brought up to me, Zach, was that um, you were looking on Mission Aware's website and you were like, dude, where where's our collapse section on Mission Aware? Like the these go to 11 collapse section is just gone. <laughs> it, it erased from existence. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as soon as you said it, I like I went on there and I was tooling around a bit. And so like I went to the search button and. And typed in these go to eleven, and you can still actually search for our stuff. But you can just find it in the Happy Rent page. <laughs> <laughs> They're just you gonna have to go to Louisville, and you can get it there. That's right. <laughs> uh, it, so it is still there, and so I still do want to give the shout out to Mission Wear. Plus, you know, they really did a great job with you know throwing together everything for the contest. Don't forget, today is the last day to send me your name and address um, via email. These go to 11, all spelled out. The number 15 at gmail.com. These go to 11, the number 15 at gmail.com. And um, you will have some cool stuff coming your way um, to everyone else. That will be sent out to you within the next um, within the next week or so here um, as, soon as, as soon as I get all that stuff compiled and sent. So, um, yeah, you can expect that coming up. Uh, but don't forget to check out Mission Aware because even though, you know, they kind of slacked off a little bit this week with us, they still do some dope stuff and uh, they were still really cool providing all the beer mugs and decals for the contest. So shout out to Mission Maybe Aware. that was the trade-off. They were like, listen, if we're going to do all this for you, there has to be some kind of a cost involved. You lose, you lose your collab status for 30 days. 
hey, you know what? If they want to do that for 30 days, and you know, I'm cool with that. Just I'm not, man. The form <laughs> podcast is going to be up there. We need to be up there. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna shoot a uh, email out to Jeff because I think I noticed that happen with a couple of the other, um, a couple of the other collabs before when I was on there is they kind of disappeared and it was gone for like a week or two and then they were back up so I don't know if they're kind of you know trying to reimage the page or something like that but she keeps saying Russia Russia I don't maybe it was <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's great um, dude so. I, you know, speaking of like, you know, spies and actually, I don't know how we're going to work spies into this, but you know, <laughs> speaking of things, speaking of stuff, about with our words. Um, so actually this is a, this topic is something that I was interested in, um, talking about for a little while now and never really got around to it with Greg or Steve. Um, I think we've hit on it before, but we never really dedicated a full podcast to it. Um, I guess before we get Offer into that. Steve. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I guess before we get into it, I should say uh, a lot of you noticed that we were going to have Frank Turk on this week. Um, we, we did send out that tweet <laughs> and reposted it on Facebook. So I think we should acknowledge that <laughs> in some form. Um, but yeah, he had a death in the family and yeah. had to go to a, a viewing or a funeral or something. So yeah. And then I said, how about next week? He's like, I'll be in Spain. I'm like, you gonna be. He says it like it's like he's gonna be at you know. I'm gonna be at a friend's house. No, I'm gonna be in Spain all week. I'm going to Chick Fil A. (laughs) Globe trotting Turkish. That's right. So yeah, pray for Turk and his family. I think he's he's an elder at his church, and maybe it wasn't a death in the family, but it was definitely uh, close to him. I think it wasn't his family, Mm. but uh, I think he he's uh, no, it was it was somebody in the church, but he's he's involved now in ministry there, so. Someone, yeah. Uh, I've been really uh, excited to get to know Turk and and, uh, see how he's – watch his arc, and I'm excited to talk about it at some point with him. Yeah, yeah, and so we will definitely – we will be definitely doing that podcast. Um, We're just going to – you know, obviously, um, let him, you know, grieve and mourn and get back from Spain. Um, and then we'll <laughs> part of the grieving process. That's getting right. Back from Spain, actually. That's right. Um, it's so <laughs> it's, it's the unheard of step. That's why, that's why people never really truly get over their grief. They never go to Spain. <laughs> um, oh man, we're horrible people. We are. Way. You and I, we are, but you know, I'm good with that. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with how horrible I am. I'm, if I weren't a wretch, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't appreciate God's grace. So. <laughs> oh man! Oh, dude. Okay, so another, another little side note. We will get into our topic. I promise. This past Sunday, um, you know, Greg's been on sabbatical, so we've been having people coming in and out and preaching. So the preacher this um, Sunday decided that he wasn't going to do like an exegetical sermon. What he decided to do instead was read through uh, Romans. Uh, chapter one through chapter eight, dude. Can I say that was just a really cool sermon to be a part of? You know, just reading that he had actually memorized it, and so he just recited it word for word, Romans chapter one through chapter eight, and it was just it was really cool to you know feel the weight and the impact of a message like that. Just you know, strictly coming from the book of Romans, coming from God's word. Uh, no, you know, exposition to it. He had a couple little slides that he would click through to kind of summarize the main um, points of the sections he was at. But 
Um, other than that, and I mean, it just, it was amazing. Blew my mind away. Three questions. Yeah. One, did he pass it off as his own work or did he acknowledge that, that it wasn't his? Oh, no, no. Right off the bat? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. He totally acknowledged that he got this idea from someone else. Oh, okay. So this, this he, he wasn't like, this is something I wrote and I've been working on. He was like, this is from the Bible. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. He, and then he started going. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Secondly, uh, when, when he was doing this, um, did he have kind of a merch tie-in with the Romans poster from Missional Wear? And if not, why not? <laughs> he did not. And I think it was because he's actually – I don't know if he's fully familiar with Mission Aware. Um, no. So, yeah. Oh, he's I, a heathen. He is. I, I, you know, I should have stayed after and converted him, but um, <laughs> it, full disclosure, it was raining and I was itching to get home. So, <laughs> All right, third question Did you pay him? Did the church pay him uh, in that he didn't really preach? Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, really- I one time. I one time got up and recited the entirety of Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Oh, um, nice. and not like uh, high pitched, uh, you know, like like Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards, yeah. monotone. I, I I did it passionately, and then I and then I uh, kind of talked a little about it. Yep. and it was very well received. Um, nice. And then I brought up maybe I'd make this like a, a yearly thing, like maybe the week after Easter when I'm bushed and everyone was like, "No, don't ever do that again." <laughs> <laughs> we liked it once. It was good. It was good. You did it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, okay, getting into our topic. Actually, this is a great transition. So, so speaking of pastors, um, <laughs> dude, let, let me ask you. In today's climate, we are dealing with a, I think, a really dynamic shift in the way people are looking for um, pastor, pastoring, shepherding, mentoring, whatever you want to call it. And we have a lot more people like John Piper, Matt Chandler, Kevin DeYoung, who put out not just their private little blogs that they're like, oh, this is kind of free and you know people can read these things, but like they almost put out these pastoral blogs where they expect and anticipate that people aren't necessarily getting a regular – I mean maybe, maybe this isn't fair. I don't know quite the motivation, but um, my, my suspicion is part of the reason why they're doing this is that there are people out there who aren't getting a steady diet of you know solid theological teaching. They're not able maybe for one reason or another to go to their pastors and talk to them about issues. And so they put these things out. You know, you have Ask Pastor John um, and all the different ones that are out there. And so have you seen this trend in the church as well? Um, and I want to ask you from a pastoral standpoint, do you think this is good, bad? Could you care less about it? What are your thoughts on it? Well, obviously I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, I've, I've bought into it to some degree mm-hmm. um, and it gets more kind of um, touchy when you say, okay, a pastor is kind of looking to one of these very prominent pastors for, for, you know, this kind of feeding and, and direction and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, uh, many thoughts on it <laughs> and, and I've written somewhat extensively on it on a, on an old blog that I had that's now defunct and, and marked as private. Um, I probably had a six or seven week series on, on this. Mm. Uh, and I was very, very strident back then. I was a, a little bit residual cage stage and, you know, I, and yet at the same time, very aware of, the tendency in myself and other people like me to 
to go, you know, it's okay to have that celebrity pastor that stands in for a pastor, a flesh and blood pastor, as long as he's dead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As long as just there's no chance I can ever uh, have meaningful interaction with him. If it's if it's Spurgeon or if it's if it's Edwards or if it's Whitfield or Ryle or whoever, right? Um, and you know, two two things come to mind. One very recently, I think it was Jared uh, C. Wilson. I, I'm pretty sure this sounds like him who tweeted, "You can get a sermon on TV or online, but you can't get church." Mm. And that's, I mean, that's, it's such a succinct way to say something that I've tried to say so many times with a a lot of words. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was Rod Rod Rosenblatt on the White Horse Inn one time said, you can definitely do everything you need for church online as long as your laptop has a wine port on it. You know, I mean, there really is no way to, to fill the biblical requirement of being part of a local body via the internet. Now there are people who can't get to church Mm -hmm. and I still think it's a, it's a bad excuse if that's the extent of your involvement. Someone's like, you know, I've got rheumatoid arthritis or whatever I've got. I can't get out. I'm a shut in. I'm elderly and and sickly. And I know, I mean, there are people in my church, all, all they get is, um, TV on Sunday morning. And so, you know what I try to do? I bring them a CD of our service uh, maybe every other week I'll bring that to them. Or if I know a family member of theirs, I'll slip them on each week mm-hmm. so they can be part of their church. And I go to their homes and I visit with them and I bring a deacon with me and we have the Lord's Supper together. And it, they continue to be part of an active, actual, local to them church. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be this fantasy land thing. Um, now, most of the people who buy into the celebrity thing, it's not out of necessity. It's out of well, why would I settle for, you know, Zach if I if I can go online and listen to R.C. Sproul or you know whoever the case, and you get into a whole different set of presuppositions and and problems uh, when when you go that route because I mean you're now doing an end run around the biblical model Mm -hmm. and embracing a model that in First Corinthians chapter one is is condemned. You know, you're, you're becoming part of a pack that's built on a person, um, instead of part of a local household of faith. Mm. And, and it's, it just, it's not going to feed into any kind of real maturity or sanctification or equipping. It's, it's, that stuff can supplement. Um, I I don't know. How often do you use, uh, you, you know, do you listen to a sermon by, I mean, Matt Chandler is one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life. How often do you plug into him or somebody else? Uh, honestly, I don't. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I really – I don't like – I – and I – you know, I don't know. I, I really – I enjoy Greg's teaching and preaching and there was a period of time where – uh, my wife and I were not getting solid biblical teaching. We first moved to Maryland. Um, there was a small church just down the road from where we lived. Basically, all of her family was going there. Um, where we went to college, there was a church just kind of down at the bottom of the hill from where we went to college. And it was interesting because a lot of the college professors would go to this church. And so the pastor was just very on point with making sure that his sermons were theologically accurate because, you know, there were a whole slew of his colleagues from the religion department who, 
you know, were going to be there listening to him. And so he was just very on top of, you know, sound um, biblical teaching. And we got to Maryland and we spent about five years out of convenience just going to the church literally uh, a mile down the road from our house. We would go to Sunday school and uh, her uncle taught Sunday school and he did a great job at um, really, you know, bringing out the Bible and teaching the Bible. But when we got to the service, it was all this Dr. Phil type stuff that you would get. Um, And we just, you know, we just finally at one point were like, we can't do this anymore. Like, yeah, Sunday school is great, but like the main staple of what we were supposed to be engaging with in church is not. Um, And so at that point, Joy was teaching uh, at the same school where Greg was teaching at. Um, and she literally had to hound him to get information about his church because he was very sensitive to not just give that away and kind of recruit people from the school to the church. And we sat down under his teaching. And after that first week, I was like, this is it. Like, I don't, I really don't feel a need. We had been looking around at a couple different churches, but I was like, I really don't think we need to go anywhere else. And so I feel like under Greg, I've had a really solid biblical teaching. And so I will grab commentaries. I will do Bible studies with people, but I really, I don't feel the need to go out and listen to, and it's not to say anything negative against Matt Chandler or John Piper or um, Kevin DeYoung or, you know, anyone else. I just, I haven't felt the need to supplement the teaching at that point because of the Bible studies and different things that, you know, we were doing within the church. Um, I don't know. Do you, I mean, does that seem like a reasonable answer or do you think I should be going out and, you know, downloading all these sermons and listening to people like that? Well, I think that you're, you're missing a big piece, which is that with Greg Dutcher as your pastor, you have a celebrity pastor. So, um, you know, you don't need to go out and get other celebrity (laughs) pastors, but (laughs) who else do I need? (laughs) You know, I, I mean, I listen to probably anywhere between three and 10 sermons a week. Mm -hmm. Um, if I if I have something on my radar that I want to preach maybe next year, I'd like to hear five people preach through it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and I have some big names I listen to regularly. I love listening to Alistair Begg any chance I get. Mm-hmm. I listen to R.C. Sproul. They're still doing Renewing Your Mind. Yep. Um, oh, man, I love that. But I also have like – you know, Sinclair Ferguson is a pretty big name, but I have six or seven guys on Sermon Audio – they probably have churches of 110 people. Yeah. Um, and I will go. I'll go. Man, these people should be heard right. by tens of thousands. And I and I listen to them regularly. Uh, there, there's a guy named. Uh, you may hear him if you ever listen to um, Fighting for Your Faith, Fighting for the Faith, Chris mm-hmm. Roseboro's show. Uh, Gervais Nicholas Edward Charmley. Uh, he's a friend of mine on Facebook, and whenever he posts, here's my sermon from last week. He he's in Stoke on Trent in England. And probably has 200 people in his church. I go to that. So it's not – I mean it's not necessarily the the star power that will bring me in. Right. But I do really enjoy the fact that the technology today allows me to just have tons of teaching at my fingertips. And, and, you know, it's not like you have to use it. But I I always think why not? I like to Mm -hmm. redeem the time. I I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of sermons. Yep. And – you know, I I put my sermons out on uh, iTunes, and I, I get emails from people in Germany or Korea telling me, 
I appreciated this sermon or that. They found mm-hmm. it just by Googling. It's just awesome. And so that's the plus side, I think. Yeah. The, the negative side is when we let it you know, become an excuse to disengage. I, there was a piece uh, on Team Pyro, which is also to, to sort of make Turkish here with us today. That's also how he got uh, quasi-internet famous mm-hmm. is by, uh, on, on Team Pyro with Phil Johnson. Uh, but Dan Phillips did a piece like 10 years ago. And it was called Porn and Paper Pastors. Mm. And I have referred so many people to it over the years. It basically starts out with saying, here's what is so dangerous, so wrong, and so self-destructive about pornography. Uh, You have this thing that God created for you to connect with another person on a, a spiritual level on a level that you know you're one flesh you're you're imaging the mystery of the Christ and church relationship it's this sacred beautiful thing and instead of connecting with a real person you connect with this image uh, on a screen or in a magazine or whatever the case and apart from the sinful aspect of this that it's just damaging your soul and you're and you're grieving the spirit and you're incurring God's wrath you're also uh, you're hurting your own ability to connect with people because that you know woman who is beautiful in that one second and then she's airbrushed and you know everything about it is so fake but feels so real in the moment. That woman is never grumpy. She she's never got her own stuff. You never need to listen to her. There's there's nothing about a real human relationship yeah. in that. Yeah. And then he turns the corner and says. This may sound crass, but for a lot of people, that same principle applies to them trying to make whether it's you know Chuck Swindoll yeah. or John Piper uh, or you know Charles Spurgeon, yeah. their pastor instead of because he never Charles Spurgeon. When you read him, he never has a bad day. He never doesn't have time to listen to you. He never has his own stuff going on. It's never a real relationship. Right. And that can seem, just like in the former example, like a plus at the time, but it is actually a huge um, liability. It's, it's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that, that slowly chips away at our, our ability to connect with someone and, and iron sharpen iron and, and build each other up and encourage each other and spur each other on to good works and discover God's word together the way the church was meant to. Yeah, uh, and it just like you know, yeah. I, I, some guy would say, I, "I why would I, you know, settle for one woman who's going to get older and and uh, you know have bad days and and you know after she has kids, her body's going to change and all these things." When I when I can just um, you know either churn through a lot of women or I can you know look at look at these these images, yeah, okay, but that's miserable. Right? There's nothing. There's nothing good in that. Uh, and if we we try you know, there's there's this airbrushed quality to that you know yeah. and if we try and apply that to the the way we learn and connect with pastors the same thing happens and i don't think any pastor worth his salt uh i know matt chandler and john piper and and you know these other guys, solid guys john macarthur etc would not want people to not have a local pastor because they have this figurehead. Mm-hmm. 
I just talked a lot, man. Why don't you say some stuff? <laughs> I apologize. I've, I've gone full Baptist preacher on you. Nice. No, I, you know, I, I, it's great. I really, I do. I appreciate that perspective. And I know our listeners do as well, because I'm going to get on here and, you know, just sound like a bumbling fool. So um, the fact that you, uh, you know, you spoke from a place of intelligence is, is awesome. Um, no, but I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I think you're spot on with all of that stuff, you know, and, and I mean, let me back up just a second and say, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't listen to those things because I think Greg is the end all be all teacher. You know, if that, if that were the case, then I would say I'm seriously, um, you know, misrepresenting, uh, Greg, I'm seriously misrepresenting myself as well because, um, you know, eventually Greg is going to, at some point, uh, retire down the road, you know, he will no longer be my pastor at some point in time. Um, and so if I'm not willing to look at the community of believers that I'm with and say, this is my family, no matter who's behind the pulpit, then I've missed the mark as well. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's, uh, key and fundamental for people to understand is that, you know, when, when I joined with Christ Fellowship Church, I'm joining, um, you know, for, for lack of better terms, for better or worse. That means that, you know, when things are, when things are good, I'm involved and I'm helping. And when things are bad, I'm involved and I'm helping. Um, you know, and I think, I think that's what people are looking for with, a lot of these celebrity pastors is I don't have to, like you said, I don't have to engage. I don't have to connect. I don't have to be involved in the messy bits of the church. Um, but then you never really grow in the church either. You know, when Christ prays for, um, you know, his disciples, the garden of Gethsemane, we talked about that a few weeks ago, his prayers in the book of John, you know, they will know my disciples by the love that you have for one another, by the love that they have for one another, by the love that they show one another. And part of that love is, is the grace that we show one another when we do stupid things to one another. You know, it's the same thing that happens in, um, in our families. I can, you know, count, uh, several thousand times the things, stupid things that I've done to my wife over the years. Um, you know, I, I'm a boneheaded man who is saved by grace, and I can count, you know, equally those times that she has forgiven me for those stupid things. Um, but you learn about that grace, you learn about that compassion in those relationships, and you learn about that in the church as well. You learn that your pastor is not this stained glass perfect person, but that he has flaws and issues. But you know, willing to come to you and, you know, apologize when those issues come up and, you know, work those things out in the grace that God shows us. And that's so important for people to see because I think a lot of times they don't. They look at the churches and they're like, well, there's so much, you know, backbiting and there's so much hypocrisy and there's so much this and there's so much this. And to be able to say, yeah, you know what, there's all that, but there's also a lot of love and grace that we show one another with all those things. Because that's the love and grace that God shows us. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know the other side of that is that it's not only is that missing from the pers- the perspective of the the man or woman in the pew, mm-hmm. but it's not any favor to those pastors, those preachers. Yeah. To lift them up on these huge pedestals, you know, when when I goof up, mm-hmm. I have to go to a person or a few people. Or if it was something kind of public, I got to go to, you know, there, my church has 142 members or something. Mm-hmm. I, that's 
that's manageable. I, I, I say, I screwed up. I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Will you forgive me? And they say, yep, we'll forgive you. And maybe they also say, and here's how we're going to help you not do that again. Right, right. Um, my, my elder board ought to be involved in that kind of thing. But when, you, when these guys get put on this huge pedestal, uh, what happens is when they fall, it's not like that at all. It's, it's enormous. And I'm not saying it's, it's somehow inevitable that putting right. a guy on a, on a big uh, pedestal, is, he's going to but, – but I mean, I don't know. Would, would Tulian Chivijan or any you – know, would, would Mark Driscoll have even fallen you – know, he, he wasn't unfaithful to his wife or anything. Mm-hmm. But what happens is you're told day after day after day after day – you're you can be a pastor to millions. Right. You you are a super pastor. Right. You're a you know and, and I start thinking Second Corinthians and the super apostles. Right. No one can endure that. Who can endure that? I couldn't endure that. Oh yeah. There's no way I could endure having like fame and like influence in the greater evangelical world without it corrupting and shipwrecking me. Right. I could not. Right. And and so I am thankful that I have a, the, a number of sheep that I can take heed to all of them and know them and be there for them. And there have been times when I have heard a sermon by a, a famous pastor and thought, dang, I can, I can preach on that text better than you. Why are you the one who gets heard by this many people? Right. And I am so glad that, that God doesn't say, oh, you're right, Zach, here you go. But, but rather says, shut up right. and you know, take – what little I, if you're faithful with little, you'll be given more. Just be faithful. Just just be faithful. And, and the more, the higher someone's lifted up, and the more emphasis is put on that man, the more we're setting him up to be David on the the palace roof, to be Nebuchadnezzar looking over Babylon the Great, which I have made, to be Herod, you know, taking the you're a god, not a man, and going, oh, that sounds pretty good. Right. It's not fair to these guys. And, yeah. and you have some who can take that and they're just so grounded in, in Christ that they're not that they're they're not susceptible insofar as pride isn't their besetting sin. Mm-hmm. A Spurgeon, for example, or I mean we could name we could name a lot of uh, preachers who, who it seems to be the case, although I would have definitely put Tulian Chavijan in, in that list before he right. fell. Um there there seem to be a lot of people who, who are all right. It, under that weight, you know, they, they have people reminding them that they're sinners saved by grace. Yeah. And, and so I don't want to say it's, it's always a bad thing that, it, that, you know, these preachers should be eschewing the attention and saying, no, don't buy my books. No, don't listen to my sermons. But when that becomes the culture, then altogether we've contributed, each of us a little bit, to a very toxic situation yeah. that's bad for the people who, who are left without a true pastor mm-hmm. and even worse for the people who are left in the position of, I mean, you, they're not pastoring those right. people. Right. There's so much more to being a pastor than preaching and teaching. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, we, in my, my peer group, I meet with about seven other pastors, and we just met this morning, and we're reading through The Reformed Pastor by Richard Baxter. And, you know, so little of that is about what you teach. Right. And so much of it is about um, spending time with your people. Yeah. And that whole aspect of ministry just fades away and disappears if, you know, the time I spend, quote unquote, in church is sitting there with and, – and here's the other element, and I'll, and I'll and bounce this back to you ping pong ball-wise. Tell me if you've seen this. Most people – 
when mm-hmm. they start going, well, I'm I'm just going to watch it on you know on TV. They watch heretics. They watch heretics. <laughs> they don't they don't have the discernment to watch the the good yeah. preachers and teachers. So I've got people going, well, Joyce Meyer said this on Sunday, right. or that Joel Osteen or whatever, and I'm just I'm going, oh, you you need to just get rooted and grounded in the church yeah. and. There are many good teachers here who can help you leave that whole industrial complex alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I um I agree with you 100% on that. I mean, you look at just the field of the what you think of the typical televangelists that are out there and you know, it's it's a stereotype for a reason. Um and it's it is sad that that is what becomes the predominant face of Christianity and it's sad that that's what Christians latch onto. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's not surprising either because, you know, you look at the size of the churches that these people pastor and, you know, by, by far and large, I mean, these are significantly large congregations, um, you know, and, and I've, I've always struggled with that to a certain extent because I don't think there's anything intrinsically or inherently wrong with, you know, a larger congregation in a church. And I think there are definitely some, you know, teachers out there who have larger churches who, you know, uh, are preaching uh, solid biblical doctrine in the pulpits. But I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the norm per se either. Um, it's certainly not the norm in the main in the mainstream media because the people that you're typically hearing about are, you know, the Kenneth Copelands, the Creflo Dollars, the you know Joel Osteens, um, you know, and so there's there is so many people out there who are getting the publicity, um, and and people are clinging to that, sadly, um, you know, and so I think. Um, to me, uh, one of the things that I was going to ask you with um, was when – do you think that some of these pastors even contribute to some of that in and of themselves as well? I'm going to kind of – I'm going to turn the corner a little bit on this and get your thoughts on that. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up John Piper specifically because he has his little um, section, you know, Ask Pastor John. Um, do you think that that – goes beyond the the norm of you know what this is a guy he's a pastor and he just kind of puts things out there and if people want to read it they can read it like this is a he's almost put himself in this position where it's like you know I'm pastor John and ask me anything pastorally that isn't necessarily guided and directed specifically at um his individual congregation he's no I mean he's no longer he's no longer pastor at Bethel anymore is he no, he retired. Yeah, years that's, ago, that's what I thought. Um, and so he's kind of put this out there. And I feel like with that kind of putting that label there, Pastor John, like you're almost, to me, dangerously inviting something that shouldn't be invited. Um, where my thought would be, instead of ask Pastor John this, Go and ask your pastor these things, um, you know. And he's he's put stuff out there that you know has kind of blown up all over the internet. I think some of it's stupid. I think some of it there's some legitimate things going on where it's like I, I don't I don't know that you necessarily should have kind of put yourself out there like that and and have put this pastoral imprimatur on it 
of this is what I think and, you know, almost go there and do likewise type thing. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Zach? Man, I, I disagree. Um, I, I, I frequently listen to the Ask Pastor John podcast and um, he frequently, maybe even always, tells people, refers people, you know, go, go to your pastor. If there's anything about church issues, anything like that, he never says, this is how it ought to be, that's it. He always does re- you tell people, you know, this is something for the local church, for the pastor. And when you look at kind of the, the broader, you know, you, you got to look at what somebody's um, motivation seems to be. And somebody who's written however many books and sold however many gajillion copies, and yet anything you want to encounter by him you go on desiringgod.org and it's free. Every sermon he's ever preached, every book or article he's ever written, I'm pretty sure – I mean I know they have curricula and stuff that you pay for. But I think all of John Piper's stuff is free. Mm-hmm. To me, that's – there's always been pastors who have – I mean you, you could even say, all right, so why is, um, why is Bunyan um, – he's in Bedford prison. He's not actively pastoring a church. How come he's writing this book that's going to, you know, have this pastoral effect on all these people? Well, there's always been people who have have tried to share, you know, what what insight they have with the church at large. There, there'll always be parachurch. There'll always be traveling preachers and evangelists, and and I I almost see when it's done well, and I think John Piper does it well. I almost see the kind of internet presence, podcasted, you know, YouTube. Uh, preacher kind of situation as the modern day circuit rider or modern day traveling evangelist. And now I can just travel everywhere at once, you know, through the phone lines. Mm-hmm. When it's done poorly, it looks like the kind of circus is coming to town. Right. Um, you know, Finney, you know, kind of, uh, it's all about me and what I'm doing. Uh, and I, I do definitely think there are those out there who do that. And I mean, I, I do. I, I see where you're coming from. I think he is Pastor Emeritus still at, at Bethel, and so the title of Pastor John is still. I mean, it applies, and and no one's going to overturn that guy's ordination, so he's always going to be Reverend John Piper. <laughs> but uh, I mean, of of all the guys out there who we could critique, I I think John Piper's got to be the the very very bottom of the list as far as how he handles the humility of of putting out content. Mm-hmm. And saying, just here it is for everybody. I have, you know, used again and again articles or handouts and stuff from DesiringGod.org, and all it says is make as many copies as you want, hand them out to as many people as you want. Just don't remove this little copyright such and such, Desiring God. And in a world where every other day I'm I'm smack up against, oh, to use this I have to pay royalties. Oh, to do this VBS that we already bought again, we have to pay for it again. Oh, to do this play that we already bought, you know, as a little cute dinner theater thing, we have to pay for it again. And then to have someone go, ah, no, this all belongs to Jesus. Take and use and and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's wonderful. I think that, I mean, we've talked about some of these guys that are. Uh, There's a particularly like ultra roided out guy who <laughs> who really positions himself at the very opposite end of the spectrum as. He is the big deal. Mm. He, sh- you know, he should be consulted for you know what's going on in every church everywhere because he has the answers. Uh, and 
you know, come in and buy the kit and 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 be like me and and let your church be assimilated by my mm-hmm. movement. Yeah. Well, and I'm not. I see, and that's the thing. I I mean, I I didn't even want to bring up a lot of these people in that same tone because I know, I know that um, particularly with John Piper, there's a very different tone and level and intent with the things that he does. Um, and so my question wasn't necessarily to pull at that other end of the spectrum because I do think uh, I, I agree completely that there are a lot of people out there that are you know trying to um, exploit and you know um, they're they're just they're, they're trying to you know make money um, and you know this is you know good bad and different you know they they've put something out there they want to get paid for it and so you know they've got their you know latest books or whatever i mean i've i've got my own issues with or my own issues with uh, mr steroids um that that's a little more personal simply because i know people who are attached to that church um but my question was just more with even with these more conservative pastors um and i haven't I, i'll be honest i haven't listened uh to a lot of the desiring god stuff i haven't listened to a lot of you know the ask pastor john stuff i've more read the articles and things like that and so my perception from reading the articles that come from a lot of these things um i I'll, I'll be honest. I've never really seen that disclaimer on there of you know you should really be going and talking to your pastor about it, um, that type of thing. Um, this is more you know from those articles that I've read, not necessarily from you know the the things that um, come from there. And I and I and I know that Piper has put that stuff out on Desiring God for free. Um, you know, I I think part of my thought process is, you know, being willing to be, um, critical and, you know, okay with that. Like, you know, yeah, John Piper does have a lot of good stuff out there and I think his resources are good. And I think people need to do the same thing they do with everything else. And they need to, you know, kind of filter in and, you know, filter out, you know, the good and the bad. Like, you know, John Piper is speaking from a personal experience. He's speaking from his view. Um, I've heard Barnabas speak on this, you know, many times on the happy rant. And I think this is very fair and I think this is very accurate that people hear, oh, John Piper does this and I want to be like John Piper and so I'm going to go do this. And so they try to imitate him and for him it's very natural and it's just it's his personality, and when they do it, it just comes off like crap. Um, oh, sure, you know. And I think I think that happens with a lot of pastors like this, though, is that they put these things out there, and people instead of trying to live their own life according to the Bible and what the Bible says, they want to live their life according to what John Piper says about the Bible, and it mm-hmm. comes off sounding, you know, it comes off looking very, very poor, um, and, and horrible. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. But I mean, I don't think that by, by prevent or rather by presenting and providing content, he feeds into that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I can see where you're coming from. I just, I mean, do you see a place at all in the, the Christian world for a, a parachurch organization where someone's going to, you know, provide books and resources and things, but they're not your local pastor. 
You you mean like desiring God, that type of thing? Yeah. Or yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I think, I mean, probably. I think we, I think we should have those resources. I mean, you know, I mean, my pastor, uh, Greg, you know, and I'm sure you do this as well. Clearly, whenever you use resources, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times he's quoted John Piper over the years. I can't tell you how many qu- times he's quoted Spurgeon, Grudem, Keller, you know, and he's has never quoted used- me though. Actually, you know what? It's funny. I think he did once. I'm trying to remember. I think Whoa. I think he did once quote you with something um, in a sermon. Sense. I'll have to I'll have to dig a little further and see if I'm remembering correctly. Um, <laughs> but the you know, but no, I think I think there is, and I think I think those things are there and available. I think the problem is sometimes there's. I, I think even pastors like that can sometimes overstep a boundary in some cases. And, and, and I'm thinking of something very specific and I'm, I'm trying not to bring it up. And I think I should bring it up because, um, if I don't, we might just continue to spiral down a rabbit trail. This might actually be controversy. Okay, here we go. So we actually talked about this on the podcast several years ago and it was Kevin DeYoung's article, his plea to pastors, Right. About it was the, the it was a Sunday morning. It was, was a Sunday Christmas. morning Christmas, right? I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, Greg was Greg was so stridently against that. Yeah, and and so like that's kind of I mean that type of thing is kind of what I'm thinking of where I think there's a level where at at some point yeah I think I think there's helpful material out there and I think these these parachurch ministries and these pastors and again. That's not even saying – I can't tell you how many times Greg's quoted Kevin DeYoung from behind the pulpit and has benefited from his ministry and from, and from the things that he has said and done. Um, but there, there was almost this feeling in this sense when that article was put out there that you need to listen to what I'm saying. And, and I've heard you and um, Ted talk about Kevin DeYoung a lot, especially you know Ted writing – co-writing the book with Kevin DeYoung. You guys have a a deeper relationship with him than you know Greg or I or anyone else might you know more traditionally, and so like that's kind of what I'm thinking of is is there a point where even in these good intentions and wanting to get this information out there that there's a boundary that can be crossed and stepped over? Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is I remember I read that article and I, I remember thinking, yeah, good on you, Kevin. Call it like it is. These people are, are just deciding not to have church. And then I listened to that episode and I was like, ooh, I realized really early on that, that your church had uh, had taken it very seriously, prayed about it. And I mean, we don't need to rehash this issue. I'm just right. using it as, as a case study like right. you were. And, and, and he had, you know, it had been no controversy at your church, and then he had come across this article that wasn't just in leadership journal or somewhere presented to pastors to help them decide uh, or church leaders, but rather, you know, it's mostly I think lay people who go on right. and, and argue on the Gospel Coalition, and so now all of a sudden there's this. Well, wait a minute, why are you doing it this way? And the problem I think comes in when. You know, this, everything sifts into the kind of theological authoritarian geologic column, and Kevin DeYoung, because he's a, a quote unquote prominent or big shot or whatever, is higher in someone's mind than their own local church or you know government. Right. Uh, higher, and, and and so wait a minute, 
Pastor Greg, why why aren't you you know th- these orders have come down right. from on high, <laughs> and, and that has happened a number of times. And I don't know how you get around that and still have because I found that article as a pastor as someone going well, and we know we're not going to have any people here, mm-hmm. uh, and we'd we'd already dealt with it. I've been at this church long enough where it was not our first Sunday of Christmas, sure, but. Um, you know, going, you know, it's, it's nice just to have a little someone else thinking through it the same way and kind of thinking, yeah, I'm on the right track. But how do you avoid then it becoming this this parallel uh, source of authority and teaching that's going to rival the pastor? Right. Uh, I had a, a prof in seminary. This was in the uh, late 90s, early 80s. And so he wasn't talking about any of these guys. He would say, you know, he'd, he'd show us some really complex element of uh, uh, New Testament Greek grammar, syntax, or whatever, and he'd say, you know, you're going to do all this work, you're going to prepare this message, you're going to go and you're going to explain this, you're, gonna, you're not going to talk down to them, but you're not going to talk over their heads, and on the way out, someone's going to say, well, that's not what Chucky says about this verse. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, he meant Chuck Swindoll, right. uh, because he, back when this guy, in this guy's heyday, uh, this prof's heyday, everybody who, who heard a... Uh, celebrity pastor. It was either on the radio or, you know, you're signed up for some major pastor's tapes to be mailed, snail mailed to your house. Right. Um, and I think of that every once in a while because I will have someone, I'll even have, here, here's to take it one further though and show you that this is a problem that cannot be easily dealt with. Yeah. I will teach something. Someone will look down in that moment into the commentary or footnote in their study Bible or, <laughs> or worse, their devotional Bible of some kind right. or life application Bible and go, well, wait a minute. It says this in my Bible. And I'm going, okay, in most cases, what you're seeing there was written by a freelancer who does not even have a theological degree. But even if they do, uh, I, let, let's talk about – you know, I've, I think I've made a case for what I'm saying to you, but let's talk about why they said that. And rather than, well, here's a, another authority, and why aren't you falling in line with this? It, that's that's going to be a danger as long as we have books, as long as we have commentaries, yeah. as long as we have any of this stuff. And I think the proliferation of audio and video through the internet, bringing famous pastors right into our homes or into our phones, it just it just shines a brighter light on that problem that's always been there. Mm. Mm. Which is how do you how do you avoid a de facto um, top down hierarchy with a pope at the top? Right. Whether the pope's name is you know considered to be Al Mohler or um, you know fill in your famous pastor right, right. Uh, crush or a Benedict or you know whoever. Right. Um, I don't acknowledge the new guy. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's it's always been an issue. Yeah, I think it just it's it's, it's to do with our frailty and our our desire to put a face on God, yeah. which we've had from the beginning, and God has has very very sternly warned us against right. from the beginning. Right. Well, and, and, and this I, just makes it so much easier. Yeah, and I think that was kind of more, um, you know, what I was getting at is I think you're right. I think you know, I mean, you know, one says Paul, one says Apollos. You know, this has been going on. You know, since um, since the beginning, we're always looking for that one-upmanship. We're always looking to who we can stack behind. You know, before it was Paul and Apollos, it was Abraham and Moses. You know, it was, you know, pick whoever. There was always name stacking going on in the church, and it's still going on today. And I think 
for us as believers, the most important thing we can do is, you know, if, if you are in a church that you believe the pastor is doing the job that God, that God has called him to do, surrounding himself with elders and they are, you know, thinking through issues and they are working through issues. To me, I would say, you know, yeah, I think, I think right on, you know, John Piper's put out tons of great information. I think you should go for it. R.C. Sproul, tons of great information. I think you should go for it. Um, you know, Tim Keller. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've, you know, learned so much about apologetics, um, from Tim Keller and the stuff that he puts out on apologetics. I mean, I think there's so much that we can gather from these people, but it's also to remember that, you know, there is no stacking. There is no hierarchy when it comes to these things. Um, and you should be, you know, if you have these issues, it's great to kind of look around and think around. But if you're kind of fenced on an issue um, and your pastor gives you a different perspective and one that you're, you know, that's kind of settled with you and it's settled with your conscience, you don't need to go and jump behind John Piper and say, well, but John Piper said it, so I'm going to do it. Um, you know, we, we talked about, uh, we talk about Halloween every year on this show, you know, and my goal is never to have somebody violate their conscience when it comes to Halloween. If you, if you just want to totally stay away from it, you know, stay away from it, that's fine. But if you're kind of on the fence and you're like, you know what, I don't really know how I feel about it. Might I persuade you to, to celebrate it in terms of going out and being a witness. I mean, when uh, when else throughout the year do you have the mission field literally coming to your front door? Um, you know, and so embrace that aspect of it. Um, and I think I think whether it's Halloween, whether it's Christmas, whether it's um, should you own a TV, um, and for me the answer is always going to be yes. Um, all of those issues, I think you need to seek God's counsel first and foremost. And if you're still coming up shy, you need to talk with somebody who you're in a relationship with. Um, because, because John Piper has a view on these things and, but he doesn't know you and he can't sit down and he can't counsel you in this thing because you don't know each other. Um, and so I think that's kind of where I was thinking and going with, um, with this whole thing, you know, I certainly don't want to put any of these people down. Again, they have done so much um, putting great information out there, making it available and free for people to get their hands on. And so I certainly don't want to be like, oh, don't listen to anything that John Piper has to say. I mean, the stuff that um, he has put out um, from Desiring God is just phenomenal. Um, but I also, I think that sometimes we tend to check our brains at the door when we hear these names instead of thinking through the issues on our own and saying, you know what? Yeah, I don't necessarily fully agree with that. Or, you know, let me talk with my pastor about that and see where these things kind of fall into place and line up in my life. So, yeah. And, and, you know, also remember you can make a, a celebrity infallible celebrity icon out of your own pastor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, there's a danger there too. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot harder because, you know, you see your pastor get mad. You see your pastor screw up and, and, yeah. and tank a sermon. You see, you see all that happen and you're constantly reminded, this right. is a guy. You know, like right. I, I, one of my favorite shows is uh, New Girl. And there was a line where uh, my favorite character, Nick, says, uh, 
You know, I once saw a priest drop his keys and bend over to pick them up, and it was so human, it just ruined religion for me. <laughs> <laughs> and if, you know, if seeing your pastor be human is going to ruin uh, the whole charade for you, it is a charade to begin with. We, you know, right. we're, we're all fallen, we're all sinners, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, it's so much easier to airbrush over that, mm-hmm. you know, with with good lighting and uh, a little dab of makeup and, right. uh, you know, just, you know, wardrobe over here giving you all the, the well, I, I'm not going to say his name, but a very prominent pastor was doing a series of uh, videos for, for pastors and one, there were just tips for the, you know, being a good preacher and making a good presentation. And I think like episode two or three was he wears spanks for men. Um, and I thought, man, what a metaphor for all that's wrong with uh, your particular ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of holding it all in and making it look like it's something it's not. Um, you know, it, it, there, that, that's easy to do from a distance. It's harder to do. It's just like in marriage, you know, my, right. may, maybe here's, a, here's something real crass. And I'm going to, and, and, and this is the last thing I have to say on the topic. Are you ready for it? All right. Let's hear it. My my, your wife's heard you fart, right? Oh yeah, there it is. That's the metaphor. <laughs> Spiritually, you got to be in a relationship with people. You know, they've just they, they know you're they know you're human. They they know you. You know them. Yeah. And and you know I I have I have called up parishioners and said uh, you heard me lose my temper. I'm sorry. And and had them say to me, I've never heard a pastor own up to something like that, you know, mm-hmm. being, being human and, and, and you're never going to, as long as it's someone you don't have any real personal relationship with. Right. Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm beating a dead horse. So, yeah. uh, okay, close it up and, and, and make us, uh, scarce here. <laughs> yeah, man. No, this is, this has been great. And, you know, I, uh, you know, appreciate you, uh, you know, following the the rabbit trail with me on this one. I think it's been good. And, and I think there is an encouragement there for, members you know this is this is god's vehicle that he has chosen to you know bring the gospel to people and um you know we we need to be on board with that we need to remember that yeah it's life it's messy but it's it's what he chose knowing that all those things were going to be there um so zach this has been great thanks so much man we will catch you all later we just rocked the casbah these go to 11